Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and I'm joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo, who's just getting back from PAX East. How are you doing, JJ? Uh, I'm doing good, Gary. Uh, I saw a lot, played a lot, did a whole bunch of stuff while I was out in Boston. It was really nice. It was a little cold. It was it was a little chilly out there, but all the gaming and all the fun kept me warm, so I was all good. Cool. So I take it the weather was much better than last year or whenever Oh, my it was God. Snowy. You have no idea. Like, I mean, we had a little bit of snow. I believe it was on Thursday or Friday, but uh, it really wasn't that bad. If anything, it was a little bit warmer than what PAX usually is. And I think this is great that they moved it. I think it was like a couple weeks down. Instead of March, it's more now in April. And it just feels warmer. It just feels nicer. Granted, it's still cold because it's still so close to the winter and like spring transition there. But this one was a lot better overall. And granted, I, ha- I was a lot busier because I had a lot more places to go and places to move around with. But but still, like I, I like this PAX better. And by the way, PAX East was four days this time. Last year was only three. So that's a big, big difference. Oh, nice. So did they like give a day to like just press or is it like public all the time? It, it was public all the time. But on that Thursday, even though I wasn't there because I flew in on Thursday morning, uh, we, the press got an hour early to get inside and actually go check out a couple stuff. And like most people, what they do is on that first day of PAX, they go to the breakfast that the behemoth uh, games actually host. They're like right in front of PAX East's uh, entrance. And uh, even though I didn't get to go because I literally flew in just as that was over. So I ran from the airport straight to the PAX East uh, Convention Center, the Boston Convention Center. And uh, it was still fun. Now, if it would be more interesting and dope if they could allow press to go every single day an hour early that we could just get inside. Because like myself, many others have appointments that are like really early in the morning, like 10 o'clock. And in order for us to get inside, sometimes we have to get escorted by someone who has an actual booth there that has an exhibitor's badge. And that could be a little bit annoying. That actually was something I had to do, uh, I believe, on the second or third day because I had to go see, I think it was uh, Super Darrow Deluxe. Uh, over on the switch over at the Dan and Gary games uh, booth and they weren't going to let me in unless I had a friend that uh, was able to get me inside but I was able to go in there I wish that like I said give the press an hour early to go inside before the crowd and I feel like everybody would have a much easier time reporting and like reaching their appointments and stuff yeah definitely like people don't know what what the struggle is for people in the press like it's, it's really tough to cover these events sometimes but still, you know, having four days, having an extra day sounds like it's good in itself. Um, so Definitely. let's get straight to talking about the games because I'm sure you saw plenty of them. Um, so where do you want to go first? Which game do you want to talk well, about? Well, of course, I think we should start with the first game I saw, which was literally the first day that I was there. I got to play No More Heroes Travis Strikes Again. And at the same time, I also got to do a short interview with uh, the creator of No More Heroes, Suda51, which was pretty fun. Now, for me personally, that was dope because I'm a fan of No More Heroes and I love Suda51's work. So meeting him for the first time was really surreal. I got a picture and everything. But we talked a little bit about No More Heroes, Travis Strikes Again after I uh, played the, the demo that they had for PAX East. It was one level. Only one stage. Uh, the thing about Travis Strikes Again is that it's like a combination of different genres of games or different styles of games that make up a new story for Travis Touchdown. And the one that I played was a little bit more kind of like an over-the-top or like overhead, uh, I guess you could say third-person action game. Not similar to the combat of No More Heroes, like, one and two but it was like more of like a slash like a hack and slash almost there was a lot of you know funny fourth wall breaking commentary and humor that was you know similar to like how the rest of the series is but uh it was a fun demo it was interesting i still wish i could have gotten a chance to see more i wish they had more to display on there but they're still working on the game and it's still far out from now 
cool. Do you have like a lot of experience with uh, No More Heroes games? Of course, yeah. I played No More Heroes 1 and 2 on the Wii, and I played No More Heroes uh, the re-release on the PlayStation 3. So I know the franchise, and I also know Suda51's work, you know, with Killer7 and all the other games that he's been a part of that he's, you know, produced or put out there. Let It Die was another one that I did stuff here on the Coalition about because he was EPing that game. But so I know a lot about his work, and I know a lot about No More Heroes. So again, it's cool to see another iteration of that franchise being made. I just wish I could have seen more while I was there. Does it feel like there's like a significant difference in the gameplay and how the game is compared to like the previous one? Yes, yes, definitely. Because again, this one's kind of tackling multiple genres and multiple styles of games. And it's like a combination and almost like a celebration of a lot of indie games that are that are put out there. And when I was talking with Suda, Suda-san had mentioned that uh you know this was an opportunity to bring together a lot of different indie developers and kind of give a lot of recognition a lot of shine to other places and he thought that it was cool to be able to collaborate with them in some form or fashion i mean travis touchdown was wearing i think was a super light or super light drifter or some hyper light drifter uh shirt while i was actually playing the game which i thought was funny and they, they talk a little bit about that in some of the dialogue and stuff and it was pretty cool but overall this one's radically different than what we've seen in the previous no more heroes games cool um so where do you want to go next well well and you play next uh another game that i played and again I'm, I'm just this has all happened through like multiple days but again i'm just running through like a list of stuff that i have written down here of games i so i got to play a game called fox and forest which is i guess you could say is a really big nod to that super nintendo error style platformers and action games where it's 16 bit the whole idea behind it is that you're, you're you're playing as a fox in this forest and there's a lot of like fantastical elements to it but the cool like draw to it is that you have control over the seasons you have the ability to change the seasons that for based on different levels that you're you know traversing and when you do so, it changes the environment. So it allows you to get over certain platforms, change certain things, you know, to interact with them. It's pretty cool overall. And again, the controls are solid. The, the gameplay and the concept of just messing around with the seasons and what it does to enemies and it also does to the environment is pretty cool. And it's something that I think a lot of people are going to really dig when they finally play it. Nice. I like that concept of changing seasons. That like sounds interesting. Does it like switch up the gameplay a lot? Like, no, not exactly. I mean, again, it's still action platformer. Again, if you played any like platformer on the Super Nintendo, you're gonna get an idea of like what this game is. It's done by Eurovideo, and uh, when I was talking with some of the guys there that that have worked on the game. They have a lot of different, uh, what is it, the ability, they, they, you have the ability to go back to previous stages with new power-ups, with new abilities, you know, discover secrets. There's a lot of secrets in some of the levels that I saw, you know, hidden, like, items, hidden, uh, was it, uh, little power-ups and stuff that you could discover just by changing the seasons and going to places that you might have visited before but might have changed here and there. So there's a lot of good stuff, and I think that people that love that genre and also love Metroidvania-style games will get a kick out of it. And who did you say developed this again? It was Eurovideo. Eurovideo is the, the guys that are making the game right now. And uh, again, they were really cool when I got to chat up with them. And I can't wait to do uh, some more stuff about it. I have tried, all the, let me put it this way. All the different games that I saw at PAX East this year, all the different developers and indie devs that I saw while I was, you know, roaming the floor and stuff, I've been trying to see if I could get interviews with them here on the Coalition. So all of you guys listening now, uh, again, if there was a game that we mentioned here that you're really into, uh, be on the lookout because we might be having some Skype interviews at some point within the next couple of weeks, you know, to get a bunch of, you know, talk about some of the games that were out there, uh, including your, uh, was it Fox and Force? And again, we're going to be posting up 
an interview with Suda51 probably later today that I did from straight from PAX East. Again, it's very short, but still, it's all that content that you guys are really going to enjoy. Yep, and that answers your question, Ruthless Kid, because I see in the chat that Ruthless Kid actually asked, you know, if we have any interviews from PAX. So, oh, yeah, we got Suda. We got Suda. Now, Fun fact, though, I tried to get more while I was out there when I was roaming around PAX East. But again, you, when you're on location, you're trying to do a bunch of stuff. Sometimes things don't go the way you planned. So, again, I ran out of batteries and some of my equipment. I wasn't able to get certain stuff to certain places I was going to. But don't worry. We still got you guys. There's a lot of content that's coming. Indeed. So what else did you get to play? So that same day after Fox and Force, I actually got to play 20XX again. Now, I actually met up with some friends that we have over at a Digital Noob, the people that we know, and we got to do some co-op to actually play, uh, what is it, to play uh, 20XX. Now, I played this with Tony back at PSX, and we loved it. We thought it was pretty cool, especially if you love Mega Man, if you love that style of game and that platformer. Again, action platformers. I really like the action platformer genre, and I noticed there was a lot of games like that at this year's PAX, especially in the Indie Mega Booth, which I'll kind of get into one of my really big picks later on. But 20XX still good. I got to play with a new character that they revealed. I can't remember the exact name of it now. I'm pretty sure if you guys look it up online, you'll see it. But it's like a it's very similar to like base. Like again, there's a lot of Mega Man, Mega Man X vibes in 20XX, obviously so. Uh, but I got to use the new character. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, I think that people that love that style of game that also love uh, playing co-op action platformers or co-op interaction platformers will have a lot of fun with this. There's a lot of, you know, inside jokes and a lot of, you know, fun nods for people that have played Mega Man that have played similar games to that, that they're going to get that it's really going to make the experience more fun. So it's like very self-aware of what it is, kind of? Well, unapologetically self-aware as far as visuals. Like, they're not, like, you know, breaking the fourth wall with dialogue or anything of the sort, but it's really a gameplay-centric experience. Like, there's stuff that's very similar to Mega Man X, to Zero, to Base, you know, to all that type of stuff that you would associate that style of game with. But it's original enough to stand on its own, but also do things, in my opinion, uh, a little bit better than some of the games that it's inspired by, which is always great. You know, more quality of life stuff, more options here and there, I think is always a great thing, especially with games that are heavily inspired by the classics. Cool. Sounds good. And what else? So one of the games... Oh, okay. Before I get to the big one that I want to mention, okay? I, I went over to Devolver Digital. We love Devolver Digital. The guys over yeah, there, the beats them. over there. We love them. They make great games. They make dope stuff. So I got to see a couple games that they had on display. I got to play Blazing Chrome, which is very similar to Contra and also Metal Slug, which I think is great. Anybody that's played those style of games, you know exactly what you're getting into. It's tough action. It's crazy amounts of bullets flying everywhere, jumping into different vehicles, destroying enemies that are coming at you in legions. It's a lot of fun and it has co-op. But one of the things that I asked them about that they said that they weren't really doing now at the current moment, it's only two-player co-op and I believe it's only locally, not a four-player co-op because the way they have it designed, I was telling them like, yo, this would be awesome if you could get four-player co-op in this because the layout of the HUD and just the amount of space that's on the screen would be ideal for that. But they said they weren't doing that right now at the current moment because, they could, again, it's hard to develop stuff like that. But definitely one to look out for if you love that style of game. The other one, too, that I want to mention as well that I think I think came out recently or it's coming out very soon, uh, Swords of Ditto. Swords of Ditto, it looks like Adventure Time, but it plays like The Legend of Zelda or like classic Legend of Zelda, like A Link to the Past or something. And it has a lot of procedurally generated stuff and other things that, uh, again, it plays like it's like a roguelike, I want to say. 
but uh, it has a lot of just fun humor, interesting uh, abilities and stuff that you could do. Solid controls. I, I really had a lot of fun. I was playing uh, co-op and like really experiencing the game with one of the guys that's on the dev team. And we were just talking about it there for what I was looking at. It was pretty dope. I, re- I really dig it. I believe that's coming to PlayStation 4 and uh, was it PC or Nintendo Switch and PC? Because the version I was playing on was on the PC. And, and it looked pretty cool. So besides that, the other game over at Devolver Digital was Dark Devotion. Now, if you're out there and you're listening to this or you're in the chat now and you like the Souls styles of games, so Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Neo, uh, this one is pretty much a two, uh, 2D version of that where it, there's a lot of different... Uh, you know, I guess you could say like powerful enemies and you have to play it like a Dark Souls game where you have to dodge and be really aware of their actions and not get killed because you will end up dying a lot because of the style of the game. Uh, but it's done in like a 16 or 32 bit uh, 2D style and it just plays very similar to that. And you're going through various different areas, you know, in this deep dungeon and stuff. It's really, really cool for people that like that style of game. Not so much for me, even though I think it looked aesthetically really cool. Sounds good. I think they had that in um, early access before, didn't they, or something? I, I don't know. I think to, no, actually, no, they didn't because I think they were telling me that this was the first time that they officially announced it. Because oh. I remember before PAX, there was an unannounced game that they were talking about, and it ended up being Dark Devotion. So, so yeah, I think no, you might be confusing with something else. Okay, yeah, I'm probably confusing it. But shouts to um, Devolver Digital, and um, they definitely need to give us another Hotline Miami at some point too. Yeah, right. I'd be totally down with that. I'd be totally down with that. But again, for what they had there, they had a lot more other games that I didn't get to check out, but they had some good stuff to show that I think a lot of people were really digging when they were messing around with it. But there's one game I want to spotlight that I feel like for me personally was my best of PAX. My my favorite game I saw at PAX East this year, and that's The Messenger. That's being uh, done. I'll tell you right now. It's being done by uh sabotage okay it's being published by devolver digital it's being developed by sabotage the messenger is like a real big homage to the 8-bit and 16-bit style of action platformers uh very similar to ninja gaiden you know again if you guys have played classic ninja gaiden games on the nes you know exactly what you're getting into same thing with shinobi uh this game is awesome because of a couple reasons number one the controls and just the jumping the action all that stuff solid feels great uh the the whole gimmick behind it and the real pool is that it blends the style of both 8-bit and 16-bit style together where you could jump through these portals in order to solve like little puzzles and get through obstacles by switching between the different styles and not only does it change the visuals of it it changes the music and it changes a lot of other little nuanced things here and there and i just loved it i had a blast playing that game i got to talk to some of the dev team there from sabotage and i was like yo this game is awesome like a lot of people are really going to dig it. And I kept recommending it to people and everybody kept coming out with the same reaction when they finally played it. Um, it's coming out, I believe, on Nintendo Switch and PC. And uh, I'm trying to see if I could get some of the guys from Sabotage on here to do like a short uh, developer interview to talk about The Messenger because I really enjoyed what I saw. And I think that that's going to be a game that's going to become a hit when it finally comes out because it just it plays good. It looks good. And it's just as fun. And it's also very self-aware where it has a lot of fourth wall breaking, a lot of tongue-in-cheek humor that kind of plays around about it, about itself as far as, you know, acknowledging the fact of, of, like, what it's inspired by, as well as also taking a few jabs and doing some commentary on gaming culture, which I thought was really funny. It's overall a very cool game that I think you guys should be checking for if you haven't checked for it already. And that's what's great about packs, like, when you discover games that are, like, just, you know, so fun 
and unique and like you probably would never have experienced it you know had you not gone so let me put it this way like when i went there there was a crowd there but i know like throughout packs the crowd got bigger for that game and deservedly so i think like they got something really special in their hands i think a lot of people are gonna dig it i can't i'm hoping we could talk with them so i could get more in depth about it because i would love to talk a little bit about some of the other things that i noticed in that game as well as also obviously we want to have a review of it here on the website so that that's gonna be pretty cool awesome and what else did you get to play so besides that i believe it was yeah later that day after i saw the messenger i went to go visit square enix now we love square enix obviously we love final fantasy we love all the games that they put out there uh we love checking out all the stuff that they have so i got to check out two main games from square enix that were on display there not on the floor but in their uh square enix press area uh i got to check out a presentation for dragon quest 11 newly nice. newly announced Dragon Quest 11. Uh, we got to see gameplay. We got to see uh, a whole bunch of different stuff with it. Uh, and now, a lot, some of the stuff I can't really comment on too much, but I could tell you right now, Dragon Quest 11 looks really, really cool. Sounds great. They had voice acting. They had uh, a whole bunch of other interesting stuff. It was really, really dope. And I feel like this is a game that a lot of people have been waiting a long time for because this is the first numbered game in the series in quite a long time. And this is another one that's it's going to be a little bit different from the Japanese version of the game where we're going to get some extra stuff, which I think is really cool. And again, going to try to see who I could talk to over there to come on to the coalition on a Skype call with us to talk a little bit more about Dragon Quest 11. Nice. That, that's the game I'm looking forward to. So um, I'm glad to hear it's uh, looking good and everything. Um, Definitely. One other thing I also want to mention that I did see while I was in that same area, I got to play Final Fantasy 15 Windows Edition, which is basically Final Fantasy 15 with all the DLC released up to now that has the game running on 4K or at 4K on PC. And it looks gorgeous, like exactly what you would expect. It was running at 4K on the PC that I was playing on. It was running also, I believe, at uh, 30 frames per second. I don't know. Actually, no, maybe a little bit more than 30 frames per second because there were some times where it was looked like it was running at 60. So I could be wrong about that. I'm not sure the exact frames per second that it was running at, but it looked great. It looked really, really good overall. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that game on PC, and it's actually on my wish list. I definitely want to now. One thing I have to mention to you, Gary, which I found out that they announced at the Final Fantasy 15 panel that they had during PAX. They announced the, se- the next uh, selection of DLC that's coming out eventually. Oh, really? They're gonna have they're gonna have uh, episode Arden. They're gonna have episode. Uh, they're gonna have a DLC about Arden. They're gonna have a DLC about the Dragon Light Lady. Uh, they're gonna have Arnea. episode episode Arnea, uh episode Luna, which is gonna be about Luna. And I think there's one other person that they're gonna do about. Oh, um, I think is it Core or something like that? I can't remember. There's one other character that they announced. There's like four DLCs that are gonna be story based DLCs, which is what I wanted for the longest time. No more multiplayer stuff. I want single player content DLCs for this game, and that's what they're giving us. I'm not mad at that because um, those are some characters that definitely feel like they could be fleshed out a bit more. Like they're interesting characters and everything. So there's probably a lot of stories they can tell there. So I'm not yeah, too I'm totally mad cool at that. With that. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully, like the the actual you know DLC will be a lot better and more substantial than than some of the early ones they put out for 15. Um, I think as they continue to come out, they did get better. So hopefully, these ones are going to be really good. Definitely. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to it. Now, besides the Square Enix press area, I also got a chance to check out uh, Dissidia Omnis Opera, uh, Opera Omnis. It's the mobile game 
that's uh, based on the city of Final Fantasy. That's uh, for iOS and Android devices. I got to play that for a bit. Pretty cool for a mobile game for what it is. Not my cup of tea, but definitely there'll be an audience out there for that. Uh, I'm also working on looking at some stuff for Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition, which is another thing that we'll probably have more info about at a later date. But the game is out now. If you have iOS and Android, you can pick it up. Uh, and also, I got to check out the... Uh, was it the Biako challenge for Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn? Uh, or or uh, was it Heaven Sword Final Fantasy XIV? And I tried the Biako challenge. I had a team of people that I got matched up with. We didn't complete it, unfortunately. I know that you got a t-shirt if you were able to beat Biako, but uh, that wasn't happening. We kept getting wiped. We had about 20 minutes to, to, to actually complete the challenge, and we just kept getting mopped the entire time, which was pretty funny. For the record, though, your man here at least didn't die any of those times until we had to wipe. I'm just saying. I'm over here playing a warrior, doing my job over here, but the healers aren't healing. I'm just saying. Give me some heals is all I need right now. But regardless, though, I got a chance to check it out. And I also got a chance to see some of the other games they had running there. Again, they had Final Fantasy 15 Windows Edition running on the floor, which is pretty cool. As well as also all those beautiful figures that you see from Square Enix that they put on display for like the Play Arts Kai or the, the Square Enix uh, Play Arts stuff. It's really, really cool stuff. And, and also the Final Fantasy trading card game was there in a very, very heavy capacity. Cool. And you, you got me a Noctis figure, right? That's what oh I like. hell! I wanted a Noctis figure. I need. I need to get one for myself first. Huh? That's all I'm saying. What I did get though is that I got a foam sword. I got a foam uh, Final Fantasy XIV sword that they were giving away uh, at the booth. Nice. That's cool. So, so that's everything you played at Square Enix, right? That just about, yeah. They didn't really have much of anything else on display there. There was no Kingdom Hearts that was really there in any sort of capacity. I'm pretty sure that'll be at E3. Same thing with Final Fantasy VII Remake and some of the other big games that we were expecting more info about. We're going to get that all at E3, not at PAX. Cool. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of big announcements coming from Square Enix this E3. But um, that's you know pretty cool that you got to see Dragon Quest and all that stuff. So... What other big studios did you get to, you know, go to the, the so for? so the other big studio because I'm again I'm skipping over a couple of the games that are a little bit smaller, but uh, some of the other big stuff I got to see, I got to go hang out with Bethesda. Now I went to the Bethesda fan event. I was able to go there and check out all the games they had on display. I got to play Quake Champions. I love my Quake. Quake was dope. Uh, even though I got mopped, I got like fourth place in most of the games that I played. I was still fragging people. Like there were some dope players out there playing quake on pc and it was that beautiful buttery smooth had to be at least 120 frames or something on pc that we were playing we were playing an instagib because they had just announced or at least they had brought back instagib as a game type and they were showing off some new heroes or new champions i should say and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, some easter content easter outfits it was pretty funny but that was fun uh, I also got to check out The Elder Scrolls uh, Legends, which is the card game that's on iOS and Android that is actually pretty cool. Uh, funny enough, right? I believe, uh, what was it? I th- believe his name was Pete Hines, right? Pete Hines uh, actually was uh, showing me some of the stuff there at Bethesda, uh, checking out some of the stuff with the card game. And he was like, actually, you know, show me how to play it a little bit, some of the strategies and stuff, and why uh, Elder Scrolls Legends was actually so good. And, you know, talking a little bit about it with me about the game. So that was really cool. That was really interesting. It, it reminds me heavily about Magic the Gathering. And they said that they were really inspired by that, but it's a little bit more complex and different with some of the abilities and stuff that you could do in it. And it's pretty cool, pretty interesting. I'm eventually at some point going to check it out on my own on my tablet because it's free to play, which is pretty dope. And then finally... The other big one, because I, I got to play the new content on the Elder Scrolls Online. There's some new content that they were showing off. But again, I'm not a big Elder Scrolls Online fan. I'm, that's not really my cup of tea. But I understand the audience for that that love MMOs. The one that was really interesting to me that I talked a little bit about on my social media, uh, on Twitter and stuff, 
was uh, Wolfenstein 2 on Nintendo Switch. I got to play it on Switch, and I got to see it in tablet mode. The game looks great on Switch. Uh, Bethesda games are looking real nice on Nintendo Switch lately. I'll tell you that right now. So if you love Wolfenstein and you love that game running on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, definitely check it out on Nintendo Switch as well. It's pretty good. Portable Wolfenstein. Nice. And how how do the graphics look, look on now? Are they like super polished and everything? Now, it looks good for what they are on the Nintendo Switch. Like, I think it was running around 30 frames per second, I want to say. But I didn't have any, like, slowdown or any, like, really bad visual stuff. It looked pretty good. It, now, again, I haven't played Wolfenstein extensively on the other consoles. So, again, there's no comparison there. I, I had a better comparison when I played Doom on the Switch. But uh, from what I saw, it looked pretty good. For, for a game running on Switch in tablet mode, it looked pretty good. Now, one thing I should mention, though, they had a, a, a motion aiming type of thing, both for the tablet mode and also for the pro controller. They kept recommending some people, because of the nature of the game, to use a pro controller when you're actually playing it. And I can understand that to an extent. But even when I was playing in tablet mode, where I was actually using the, the Joy-Cons and stuff, it was pretty good. Okay, that's good. Nice to hear that, you know, more cool, awesome ports are coming for Switch. Um, and so what else did you get to play from you know other big studios so another studio that I have to mention is 505 Games I actually went to go see a game called Underworld Ascent and that's being done by a variety of different industry veterans and one of the things about it is that it's basically using physics to in a first person environment to kind of like solve different puzzles and, and get around certain areas It's it's got a fantasy take on it which I thought was pretty cool I got spent a little bit of time playing the game a very early build of it and it looks great on PC. Right now, it's only on PC. It looks great visually. There's a lot of dynamic lighting, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the way that they utilize the physics with different stuff as far as, like, solving certain puzzles and, you know, taking on certain enemies and, like, you know, using stealth to all that. Again, very early on, but the concepts and the ideas are there. They sound really interesting. Uh, I want to be able to play more of it. So at some point, I'm going to have the developers or at least some of the people over on the team at, at some point on uh, on a Skype call to talk a little bit more about it so they can get more into the specifics with me because, again, it was really early on, but I liked what I saw. I think it's pretty interesting. Sounds good. Was that it for 505? Or? Yeah, I only got to see one game for 505 games. I know they had something else over there, but I didn't get to mess with it. I spent more time just playing Underworld Ascent and just talking with the devs there, the entire team. They were really enthusiastic about their game, and it was really cool just you know hearing what they had to say, like what they were thinking about. We talked about some stuff that they might be implementing later on you know, as development goes on and stuff. It was a fun conversation about it. Awesome. Sounds good. So, yeah, what else was there? So... A couple other games that were a little bit smaller. Uh, the big one that I think out of the small games that I have to mention is Shaq Fu. So Shaq Fu Legend Reborn. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys out there are curious about how this game is going to be. Is it as bad as the fighting game that came before it? The really garbage Sega Genesis Super Nintendo fighting game that was Shaq Fu back in the day. That actually happened, people. So we're getting a sequel, which is actually happening, people. So... Shaq Fu is exactly what you expect. It's a beat 'em up, uh, not a fighting game. It's a beat 'em up, and it's very self-aware and very tongue-in-cheek and kind of like goofs on itself a little bit. If you know anything about Shaquille O'Neal, this will be funny to you as far as playing the game. Uh, from what I played, I, I'm not sure if I played an early build of it or if it's already like really far along. Uh, 
it, it, it does it has a couple problems here and there but really what what the people are going to stick it out for you know to at least play the game through is the tongue-in-cheek humor and some of the stuff because it's voice acted it's got Shaq doing some of the voices it's got obviously a bunch of other people there's a lot of references to like the Wu-Tang Clan to uh, a lot of other celebrities in hip-hop and R&B uh I looked for a joke about Shaq's free throws. I didn't get it yet. I'm pretty sure it's around there somewhere in the game. And one of the, the funniest joke that I saw in that demo that I played was that the power-ups, or at least the ones that refill your health, are Icy Hot. So if you know anything about Shaq, he does commercials for Icy Hot. And it's just a real self-aware play on him, you know, as a, as a celebrity and all this stuff. So it, it was interesting to see nonetheless. That sounds like a really fun game that I, I actually want to check out myself. Um, I know it's on PS4, but what other platforms is it? Uh, I believe on? it's on PC and PS4. If I'm, say, I think, I'm not sure if it's also on Xbox One because I, I don't remember. Actually, no. Yeah, I think it is on Xbox One. So I think it's coming to all platforms except for the Switch, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about this, so I might need to be checked on that. But uh, I know I was playing it on PlayStation 4. Nice. And so, like, you, you mentioned there was um, Wu-Tang Clan. Is that, like, the soundtrack, or, like, is there some no, kind of reference? there's references to it. Like, there, there's certain things, like, if you know anything about the Wu-Tang Clan, you know anything about, like, Shaw Brothers martial arts films, there's some clear nods to it and, like, clear, like, references here and there in the dialogue and some of the other stuff that they, you know, they talk about while I was playing the game. Uh, again, the humor, if, if you don't, if you're really looking for complex humor, this is not the game for you, clearly. Uh, you gotta just go in there and just accept what the game gives you and just roll with it and then you'll have fun okay is it can you like button mash your way through it or is it more skill focused than timing no i think it's more button mashing because there it, it's more most of the time i was hitting the square button as i was attacking uh, uh different enemies coming at you there was a lot of enemies coming at me at the time it plays like you would expect as far as a beat-em-up you know that's 2.5 d uh, and you're playing a Shaq, and he has he has some nods to like some of his uh, special moves from the previous game. Like I noticed, like a certain kick that he does that's very similar to one of his special moves from the first game. But I don't know about if they're gonna do a lot of references to that game. I'd be very surprised if they do. Okay, well that sounds like a cool fun game. Uh, another game I have to mention that was right next to it was a game called Grip, which is a racing game that has those cars. If you remember the Tyco uh, reverse, like, you know, driving cars where, like, no matter what side you put them on, if they flip around, they could always still be driving. It's it's They were from Tyco from, like, the 90s. I can't remember. Or Tyco, Tyco RC cars. But uh, it's a very interesting, uh, what is it, as far as, like, aesthetic, visual-wise, uh, racing game. Very gritty. There's a lot of... Uh, was a lot of browns, a lot of reds and stuff. It's got that grimy look to it. It reminds me a little bit of dirt, but with different style of cars. The only thing that I had a, a little bit of a nitpick with was that the cars are very weighty. That they, they 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 are really really big cars, so the handling on them is a little bit annoying here and there. And I know that was the kind of the thing that they were going for, but that might be a turnoff for some people. And I'm, I'm just curious to see like how it goes, you know, as development goes on. It's coming to every platform. So uh, was it uh, PlayStation Four, Xbox One, PC, uh, and Steam and stuff? I don't know about Switch. I'm not certain. I, I have to check that one as well. But uh, that I played it on the PC when I was messing around with it. It was right next to Shaq Fu when I got to play it. Wait, what did you say the game was called? Was it Grip or... It's called Grip. Grip, okay. Mm -hmm. Called Grip. Again, it's a racing game with those Tyco RC-style cars that have the, the ability to flip and just keep going and keep driving. So I forgot the exact name of it. I, and funny enough, I was talking to the developer there, and we mentioned the name for it because I remember those commercials from back in the 90s. And he was. they said they were directly inspired by that. Okay. That looks cool. I just looked it up. That looks kind of cool. 
Now, speaking of racing games, I also want to mention another racing game that I got to see, Anti-Gravator, or Anti-Gravator, or Gravitator, or something like that. Again, I'm pronouncing it wrong. But uh, it's another racing game, very similar to Wipeout at F-Zero, uh, as far as, uh, again, aesthetic, you know, gameplay-wise, very fast-paced. Uh, it's a different uh, flavor of racing game. It doesn't feel as weighty. It feels, you know, very floaty as far as the speed and the, the handling and stuff. If you played any games like uh, like Wipeout, like uh, F-Zero, you know exactly what you're getting into. But it's still pretty cool for what I saw. Nice. And that's for PS4, Xbox, PC? I believe it's for PS4 and PC and Xbox One, yes. Okay. Cool. So what else was there? Now, two other games I have to mention that are much more very quickly because I've seen them and I've talked about them in the past before. And there really wasn't much uh, different happening with them. That was Chasm. That's on PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and PC. And also Super Daryl Deluxe, which is we're going to be having a review of that game very soon on PlayStation 4. Uh, I got to play Super Daryl Deluxe on the Nintendo Switch. I was actually hoping that Dan and Gary Games would give me a Switch code for it to, to take with me to play you know, for a review while I was on the trip. But uh, they only had PS4 codes at the time. It had something to do with the... Not the localization, but the, the certification, you know, because of Nintendo. So th- that sometimes takes a little bit longer. But uh, same exact game, but on Nintendo Switch, I got to play that. But Chasm also is pretty good as well. That game is going to be cross-buy on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita, which is pretty dope. Uh, and if you like Metroidvania-style games, that's going to be your game. That would be something interesting for you to really mess around with. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, and was that it, or was it? I, I think that was about it as far as games is concerned that that I saw while I was at Paxis. I got to meet a lot of people, see a lot of good friends, a lot of our industry friends here and there, uh, meet uh, content creators, you know, YouTubers all over the place, which was pretty cool, and and a few others that were just hanging around and enjoying the event, which I thought was dope. Yeah, I'm sure you saw like a uh, hip hop gamer, Torrance Davis, Otaku Man. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I did, and we we talked for a bit and stuff, and they also posted on uh, Twitter and social and other social media about it and stuff. Because again, I saw a lot of people at Pax East this year, which was cool. Yeah, and also we all saw you on IGN as well. So yeah, so I guess I should talk about it. So oh, okay, and I should talk about it because even though I didn't have an appointment, I played the game extensively. Uh, so Calibur Six, I should mention. So that was the one that you guys probably saw on IGN. If you guys saw me tweeting about it, or if you were watching any of the IGN coverage, uh, I got interviewed for the fan reactions of, on IGN about Soul Calibur 6 and I was talking about some of the newer stuff that I noticed in the game I actually got to play with about three characters in uh, Soul Calibur 6 I got to play with Killick I got to play with Sophia and I also got to play with the new character I believe his name is Goron or Garon or whatnot but he has like a dual wielding blade that turns into like a dual dual sided uh, blade that's pretty cool Uh, the game looks really good really really good and there's little things here and there that i noticed and i was talking about it with a couple friends of mine that got to play the game with me the camera has moved back a little bit so you can not only see all the fighters easy easily but also see more of the background it's very shiny there's a lot of detail in the background the characters look great there's a new uh like a rock paper scissors like counter or kind of combat system with it on top of the already the established fighting system where if you execute a certain move and you hit a certain button kind of like the the, the clashes from injustice where you go into like this rock paper scissors style cinematics where depending on what buttons that you hit you know you could either uh parry certain attacks or do certain damage or avoid certain attacks from your opponent and do different stuff but it looks really good it looks really crazy and it adds another layer uh to the already like crazy combat and the momentum shifts that could happen throughout a soul caliber matchup uh besides that 
The other thing I have to mention, Geralt was not playable, or Geralt was not playable, which I was a little sad about. I was hoping, and me and a lot of other people were hoping he was playable there, but he wasn't. Um, but the other characters that were, that were legacy characters from the series, they were pretty damn good from what I saw. Now, there are changes to them as far as special moves or certain unique moves and combos that you could have done in previous games. Those are, have been changed, or there's things that are different about them. But eventually, once we get the game in hand, I'll be able to find out exactly what's the deal with all that. So, like, based on what you did get to play and everything, do you think the game will be accessible to, like, casual fighting game, you know, players and stuff? Because um, previously, I felt like those games are kind of um, difficult to master a little bit. Um, you can get on and, you know, do a few power moves here and there and stuff, but, like, you, you do need to invest some time to learn the mechanics and everything. So is this one a bit more accessible or is it along the same lines as the, the previous games? I think all the games in the Soul Calibur series have been accessible because you could always button mash in these games and not in the same way that you could do Tekken because Tekken I feel like is more of an execution heavy game where you have to really kind of be on point with your execution and stuff like not everybody plays like Eddie Gordo in that game. But uh, in Soul Calibur 6, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. You know, there are a lot of moves that are very similar to previous entries in the series. So if you've been playing the games or you're very casual with the games, you're still going to have a good basis to start from. And even if you know nothing about Soul Calibur, I feel like you could just dive into it. What I am hoping, though, for, and I was talking about this with a few friends, and I think I mentioned it in the IGN video that I said, I want to see more story content from this game. I want to see a lot of story content because we have uh, examples in front of us now, especially from Bandai Namco with Tekken 7, and then we also have Injustice 2 or just Injustice in general and Mortal Kombat X. They, this should have a lot of story with it because I feel like in the past, in previous Soul Calibur games, they have a lot of story and a lot of stuff that they could do, and I want to see that done in Soul Calibur 6. And the same thing also with other single-player content. I feel like they could really give us a lot here and not do like what Street Fighter V did at first at launch or Dragon Ball Fighters did at launch you know, to an extent, as well as also so I believe I want to say Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear, where they had story content, but not on the same lines as like Tekken Seven and Injustice Two, as far as the amount of content they're giving you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they give you everything up front um, on that. Game. Oh, and I want to see more characters. That was the other thing I mentioned in my IGN appearance. My, I wanted to tell them that I wanted to see more characters that I love, and I wanted to see other stuff that was new about them. Like there were certain characters I was hoping that would be there that weren't, like Cervantes. Um, what is it, uh, Maxi, and a few other characters here and there, Azeroth, you know, stuff that people would expect that have been associated or part of the series for a long time. But we'll know eventually as we get closer to the game's release. Awesome. Um, so that's like the, that was the game that you were featured on IGN for and everything. Um, yep. So you, can, they you be- can see it out there now. Yeah, definitely go check that out. We'll probably put a link to it as well. Leave but, um, comments. Leave comments and be like, yo, that's our boy from the coalition. What's good? You know, tell say, tell what's up for me. Yeah. So were they like literally just like waiting for people, like random people, or like did they? No, believe that, it or not, here's happen? here's that here's how it happened. I have a couple friends over there at IGN, and one of them is named Mike. That that he does a lot of the video stuff over there, and we just happened to run e- into each other while I was at the Bandai booth, and he was actually shooting uh, fan reactions of the game because he was there with some of the new hosts, some of the other people that work at IGN, and he asked me, "Hey, do you want to appear in the video?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Why not? And we just, I talked with the new host. I talked about everything that I had mentioned on there and it was fun. And immediately the next day it was up and I was like, yo, that was pretty dope. That, that, that was, went up pretty fast. So, and then I told everybody about it, you know, so I'm like, yo, go give a shout out to me or go give a shout out, show, show them some love. Awesome. Yeah. See, JJ's got those connections, people. So I know people. I got ninjas everywhere. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, man. So, um, besides the games, like, how was the rest of PAX? Like, did you get to go to a lot of panels and, you know, parties and other activities now, surrounding now, the world? There were some activities I wanted to go to that I was planning to go to that I didn't get to because of time and also because of scheduling. Because uh, one of the bad, worst things about these events is that sometimes people schedule really awesome things at the same time. And it's like you can't be at both, unfortunately. One of them being the Final Fantasy 15 concert. And I was really hoping I could make it out there. Uh, was it to go see it and, you know, go experience it stuff? Because I, you know me, Gary, I took you to the Kingdom Hearts concert at E3 and like that was awesome. And it was fun. Yeah, that was incredible. I love going to stuff like that. And I wanted to go to the Final Fantasy 15 one and I couldn't do so because it's just time. Uh, I ended up going to a few other uh, events afterwards, you know, including the Bethesda event that I mentioned that they had games to play. Uh, I went to an Acer's Predator party that they had over in a, was it a little bit, uh, not too far away from the convention center. It was actually pretty cool. I was right there. Um, I also went to a 505 Games VIP. Whoa. Okay. We just lost JJ. Yeah. Not sure what happened. Um, could have been an accident. Like, you know, maybe you got a bit excited talking about the events and then, you know, just kind of accidentally cut out. But um, I'm sure he'll be back in a matter of seconds. I want to shout out Reggie Butler. I see Reggie in the chat right now. Big shouts to you. And JJ. Hey, can, I, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, we hear you. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Google Hangout just like randomly just like let me go. I was like, oh, but but anyway, like I was saying, uh, I went to an Acer's Predator party, which was pretty fun. I went to uh, the Bethesda fan event. I went to a 505 Games VIP party where they had uh, Underworld Ascent there and they had a few other people uh, just hanging around, just, you know, talking or whatever. I saw a lot of our friends. I saw uh, my boy Robert Workman, the DCD. Saw a couple friends of mine from GameSpot, which was really dope. Uh, a couple other people from various other websites, Digital Noob and all over the place. That was pretty awesome. Uh, Dual Shockers as well. Um, and a few other places. Where else did I go to? Uh, I also got a chance to visit uh, some of the other tech companies. You know, the tech, uh, was it gaming tech and gaming peripheral companies that were there? I got to go visit HyperX. If you guys remember a while back, I did a review and an unboxing video of the HyperX Cloud Stinger. I went to go talk to them for a bit and talk a little bit about some of the new products that they have coming very soon, which hopefully very at some point, We'll be able to have some unboxing and impressions videos for you guys, including a new keyboard, uh, some new headsets, and a few other things. Um, as well as also, I went to go visit, uh, what was it called? Um, trying to remember. Oh, Think Geek. So Think Geek was pretty cool because they have some new statues coming out. So I'm trying to see if we could get some coverage for you guys about some of these new statues. They're cheap and affordable, like gaming statues, but they have some really cool detail and really cool characters that they're selecting, including Aloy from Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, the new, uh, some stuff from Fallout 4, including the Nuka-Cola girl and the power armor. And there's a couple others that we can't talk about just yet that they have in the works that are coming down the pipeline. So I'm trying to see if I can get you guys some exclusive content, exclusive coverage on all that. But that's what I ended up doing. And I visited a few others that were out there trying to let them know that, hey, we're here because we want to talk about your guys' stuff. And uh, it was pretty good. Overall, very, very, uh, uh, was it very, very productive. Awesome. Sounds like a good experience, fun all over. And with the extra day, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people love that. And it's always good for us to like get, get out to these events because we always see, you know, our peers and everything, the people that we kind of came up with and the other people that we're connected with from other websites and platforms. So. 
Oh, Always one other thing I have to mention. I also there was one more game because I have a list on here that I actually got to see at the very end. So it was after all the Soul Calibur stuff and everything else. Uh, Collapses. Uh, Collapses is a puzzle game that's actually on every platform. That the idea behind it is that it's similar to Candy Crush, but you have the ability to turn the board. So you have the ability to kind of like influence the pieces or the tiles that are on there and do different things in order to kind of like score points, get combos, and all this stuff. Very cool stuff, especially on iPad. And, and, and uh, tablet and mobile devices, which I thought was neat. Uh, but it's also on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, on uh, Nintendo Switch as well. There's a whole bunch of other things that they have going for it on the other platforms, which I thought was dope. But uh, that was another le- neat little game I have to mention that was pretty cool. So when you say you can, like, turn the board around, like, is there, like, a power-up meter or something where you have to build up that ability? Or- no. This is the cool thing about it. You can actually just turn your tablet, like, literally just rotate it and be able to kind of like influence some of the stuff that's on there or on the other platforms hit a button where it kind of like rotates the board in different ways uh and i thought that was cool especially on the tablet itself on ipad and and, uh the surface tablets you'll be able to kind of just manipulate the the tablet itself and just again do whatever combos you need to do but you could do that all in real time there's no like you know meter there's no like special conditions that you have to do that okay candy crush bell watch out then that because that sounds yeah, right that sounds really good. apparently they won a lot of awards at gdc and a couple other previous pax events so when i was talking to the head developer over there he seemed like he was pretty happy about it he was getting a good response i'm like okay that's pretty cool uh, sounds good man uh was there like a lot of vr stuff because like to me it seems like vr is kind of on a decline a little bit there was some VR there, and I, they also had some PlayStation VR games that we've seen before at PSX and, and at previous E3s. Uh, I didn't really mess with the e- with the VR stuff. I mean, there was some Vive, there was some Oculus stuff. They even had some competitions on a few other competitive games there in VR, but nothing really worth checking out, in my opinion. Or at least, you know, when I was roaming around at the time, there was nothing really worth checking out at that moment. I see. All right, well... Uh, that's pretty much everything I wanted to say. Was there anything additional you wanted to say about PAX? And also, like, um, how does it compare, you know, this year to other years that you've been as well? Uh, I think this year was dope. I think this year was fun. I like the extra day. I know some people said, like, maybe the extra day is a little bit much. I, I'm completely the opposite of that. I really like it. I was able to see more. I was able to do more. And I had a blast doing so. And it was warmer because of the time of the year that I was in, even though it was still a little bit cold. But it was still a lot of fun to be out there uh, this time for PAX East. And uh, just shout out to all the people that I saw, all the PR peeps that we got to chat it up with, all the developers, the indie devs that I saw out there, all the games that I got to play. And as well as also just all the cool people that I met and all the good friends that we know of that I saw again at the event. It was a lot of fun. It was really, this was a very fun PAX with everything considered. Sounds good, man. So, um, one more question. So like, because it was an extra day, did you notice that um, it was like the, the attendance was a bit lower on the last day? Like, was there less people there or anything? Or was it consistently packed throughout? No, I think it was consistently packed throughout. And I kept saying to myself, like, I, I think it was either on Friday or Sunday where it felt like a Saturday. But like every single day of PAX, there was a lot of people there. And it, there was moments where you couldn't move a lot. But I feel like the PAX committee or the PAX team that runs all the PAX events, they have a good handle on making a, what is it making events work that have a lot of people there. Because I didn't feel claustrophobic at all. Even though there was moments where I had to kind of like, you know, zigzag my way or kind of like follow the crowd a little bit. It wasn't bad. It wasn't how like E3 was last year where things got really bad and you couldn't move. It was nowhere near like that at all. So I think that the people that run packs are really good when it comes to running events. 
Yeah, and that's definitely something other events need to take note of because, um, you know, the layout does matter, the spacing, you know, and everything. It really matters. And, and also, and also the way that the people treat others there. Cause I will tell you one thing and you can never take this away from PAX. I hope that somebody quotes me on this one day that PAX enforcers or the people that run PAX that are helping direct people are very nice, super helpful always there for you when you need them they never have an attitude they never have a problem with them whatsoever every single time i went to someone in a red shirt or someone that had like some sort of like business get up and i needed help especially when i need to get somewhere they were always ready and down to roll with me and i think that's awesome and that that speaks volumes to packs as an event and just all the packs events in general they are always there for you when you need them that's good man good to hear so yeah, that's um, our recap of PAX East with Mr. Jake James Lugo. Um, as he said before, be on the lookout for some more content, you know, including the interview with Suda51 and, you know, a lot more coming um, from the event and stuff. So be on the lookout for all that content on the website. Um, and this audio will go up on the Patreon and on the podcast feed. So make sure you subscribe to those as well to get the audio versions and everything. And yeah thanks for listening people um definitely leave your comments and questions if there's additional things you want to know as well and um be sure to you know check out jj's social media uh jj just give yourself a shout out real quick let yeah, everyone sure. know where they can find you yeah uh again you guys can follow me follow me on twitter at venomous fat man one right now if you guys can uh, i'm always going to be posting up stuff not just from pax east but all the time whenever we go to events i'm always live tweeting and posting up exclusive stuff exclusive pictures uh some other opportunities for you guys to do like little you know giveaways and other little things here and there i'm also on instagram gamers with games on instagram so it's gamers with an s uh with games on instagram and i was posting a bunch of exclusive stuff on there and again make sure on this video you guys Leave us some comments. Tell us, you know, about some other stuff you guys want to know about packs and other games you guys want us to pay attention to. Because I saw a lot. I played a lot. And I want to make sure that we give you guys the best content that we can, especially hearing from some of your favorite devs and some of your favorite games. So, again, I'm doing a ton of stuff out here on these streets. So let us know what's up. Make sure you don't don't forget, besides the comments, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. And leave a like on this video, on this podcast, and all of our podcasts. It helps us out a ton, people. Indeed. So yeah, big shouts to you for covering that event. And uh, we'll be back on the co-op podcast this Sunday. So look out for us. Peace out, people. Later, peeps.